that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Leslie. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Thank you for making the time today. Um, I know you're a, you're a busy lady, so I really appreciate you making uh, the, the, the time to, uh, to share um, share some of the stuff that you've, you've learned with us. That's really appreciated. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here today. Great. So uh, could you introduce yourself to the audience, please, Leslie? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, my name is Leslie Bergeron, and I am the Director of Outreach and Education for St. Elizabeth Foundation, which is a private adoption agency located in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Great. And um, can you tell me how you got into, in, into to doing that role, to doing what you do, Leslie? Yeah, you know, I've always been really interested in adoption um, and a supporter of adoption, but I got personally involved about four to five years ago because my sister and her husband were struggling with infertility and they were trying to do fertility treatments that were unsuccessful. And I kept encouraging them to, to think about adoption and, and look into adoption. And they actually are the ones that found St. Elizabeth Foundation and joined the program as adoptive parents and got a surprise hospital call in 2017. Um, so in about four hours of time, they became parents to a beautiful baby girl uh, who is now my niece. And so once uh, we met her and kind of got involved with, with her, I and started investing a little bit more time with St. Elizabeth Foundation. I started volunteering for them for their yearly fundraiser. And then two years ago, I joined staff as the director of outreach. So I am still pretty new to the adoption agency, but um, it's been wonderful. It's been a huge learning experience and I'm, I'm sure I still have a lot to learn about it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the things that you uh, shared before we started recording is that, um, that that your own kind of view of adoption went through a, 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 a big a big change um, after you joined the agency. And so uh, can you share a little bit more about that and, and how your view changed? Yeah, as, as the aunt of an adoptee, you know, I got to be on the extremely joyful side of the adoption, just the excitement of a call for my, for my sister learning, you're about to be a mom in just a few hours. Um, you know, it's all really exciting. And all the family was over overwhelmed with joy and went out and bought all the baby things and clothes and whatnot. And so I saw adoption as this beautiful thing, this joyful thing where there was just an abundance of love poured out on this baby, which is true. That is a huge part of adoption, but once I joined staff um, with St. Elizabeth, I was able to work more personally with birth mothers. And, you know, the process for them is not always joyful, that the majority of the time, a birth mom that we work with is not choosing adoption because it's something that they want to do. You know, their, their first desire would be to parent this child themselves, but for multiple reasons, they just don't feel like that's a possibility for them, or they don't feel like it's what's in the best interest of their child. And so they decide to go forward with an adoption placement, but we see them go through that difficult process. And a lot of them really struggle with it. And they feel a lot of grief about it. Um, even years later, they still feel like they're struggling with grief over that decision. Even if they know without a doubt, it was the best thing for them 
and for the child, it was, it's still hurtful for them. Yeah. So you've got these two emotions. You've got these two emotions running. They must be really confused because on one hand, they know it's the right thing, but on the other hand, everything within their, you know, within their being is saying, no, don't do this. They must be in a real tricky tricky state reconciling those two obviously completely contradictory feelings must be very confusing yeah it is very confusing for them and you know that's why a lot of these women are alone and don't have support either from a biological father of the child or family support um, which is how they've come to find us in the first place and so we become that support system for them and we provide counseling from licensed clinical social workers to kind of help them work through those emotions to make sure, you know, that they have really thought everything through and are, are sure. And they've been educated on the process and what the adoption could look like afterwards before that they make their final decision, you know, knowing that it's going to be hard going into it, knowing that they're going to experience some grief afterwards and that it's okay for them to experience that grief and they can be open and honest with us about that grief and that they are welcome to come to us at any point in the future and kind of work through that. You know, we offer them counseling for life. And so even if it's 10 years after the adoption placement takes place, they might wake up one day and suddenly realize, you know what, I've been struggling with grief for 10 years and I'm finally ready to admit it and come and see somebody and talk to someone about it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Some huge changes then. So the stuff, you know, my own uh, you know, I hadn't given my birth mother, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just, maybe it's just me, maybe other guys, don't, maybe it's a bloke thing, maybe it's just me, who knows, but, you know, I hadn't really given, I was so settled with my um, uh, parents that I, you know, I never really gave my birth mother much thought, I didn't think about the stuff that she'd been through, and then when I got my adoption file, when I was about 48, you know, um, she became a real person for me. She hadn't even mm-hmm. she hadn't been a, she hadn't been in my thoughts apart from some some anger towards her that came up when I was about forty. But she hadn't been in my thoughts, and then and then she was, and the file made her made her real. So w- one of the things that um, I bef- before we spoke, listeners, I wanted to talk about this stuff. I wanted to share uh, for Leslie to share some of the stuff that she sees because I don't I don't think that uh, adoptees can hear enough the fact that their mothers wanted to keep them mm-hmm. uh, and because this central the central narrative in the adoptees head is the is the the fact that they weren't good enough or there was something right. wrong with them um and funnily enough i i've heard i've done a lot of my consciousness learning all of my consciousness learning or my learning about myself with no other adoptees at all right mm-hmm. and what i what i've learned is that pretty much all of us all all human beings don't believe that we're, you know, good enough, right. and and we we kind of hide that 
we don't really talk about that much. We're not vulnerable about, about it. Um, but a lot of the stuff that we do is to try and put a brave face on that. You know, so like social media is the obvious thing that we, you know, we it's an edited, a curated view of our life. But none of us think that we're good enough. But it, but as adoptees, we've got a really, really good reason to believe that we weren't good enough. But just because we've got a really good reason to believe we're not good enough doesn't mean that that's actually true. So what we're doing here really is exploring that a little bit. Um, and the fact that clearly adoption adoption has changed completely. You know, mm -hmm. when when my uh, birth mother made a, an adoption plan, what you would call an adoption plan these days, when she made that in 1966, um, because the you know her the father of uh, or, you know my birth father didn't want to marry her or have anything to do with her. She didn't have all this. She didn't have all this stuff that you're talking about. Um, right. And this there's this view of you know kids being ripped away um, uh, and forced adoptions. We hear a lot of that, and clearly adoption is nothing like that. You know, you want. You want birth mothers to reconcile those two different pulls, the, 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 the desire to, to have the, the wanting the best for the child and thinking that that best child is, is for them to have adopted parents and, or, or, the, or the, and the desire to parent them herself. You actually help them reconcile and get to a considered decision a final decision on this and mm -hmm. i don't think many people know that yeah i would i would say that you're probably correct about that that most people looking from the outside in on adoption are completely unaware of what the process looks like for a birth mother and what she kind of goes through in order to prepare herself to be ready to make an adoption placement and i would say that you're right about the the message for adoptees is they can never hear it enough and it's important for them to constantly hear it from from their adoptive parents as well as from the world that their birth parents didn't love them they still love them you know when when an adoption placement takes place the you know it's not an immediate cutoff that the birth mother suddenly no longer cares about about their child they do care and they may they either made that choice for an adoption placement because they loved them so much that they knew that putting them in a household with two parents, with adoptive parents, was going to be the better option for them, or they were unable to parent for, for whatever reason. And that may be addiction. You know, we do see um, drug addiction and substance abuse in some of our birth mothers. And we also see mental health issues, extreme mental health issues that would make it impossible for that birth mother to parent and take care of the child. So there are really good reasons why they're choosing to go forward with the adoption plan. And if the adoptee, if the child can grow up knowing that and knowing that there was all of these reasons and that they had good reasons and that they were doing it out of a place of love and out of a place of sacrifice, it may be able to help them you know, understand that it wasn't a rejection that it was actually to try to do something better for that child. So, uh, I mean, this is, this is huge. 
absolutely huge. And I guess it's the central conundrum, isn't it? Um, but here's the thing, listeners. It's not about what, you know, a, a, any... Um, this isn't about what me and Leslie are saying. It's about what you are hearing, right? So no matter, and this is, this is kind of like a really important lesson if you're an adoptive parent, for example, it's not about what you say to your um, adopted child. It's not about what you say to a biological child either. It's not about what you say to your, your husband or your partner or your, your wife or your partner. It's not about what we say, it's about what they hear. Mm-hmm. So we can't say it enough, but they have to hear it, as in we can't say that we love them. We we they can't sorry, we can't say that we love them enough, but they have to see see that for themselves. Um so they have to they have to this isn't something that's like um how should I put it? It's not we're not look we're, we're not talking about an intellectual understanding here. We're talking about something, somebody getting stuff in their bones, right? So this isn't this isn't a clever idea in our heads. It's an embodied gut feel in getting stuff in our getting stuff in our bones. That's that's what seeing stuff is for uh, for ourselves. So one of my mentors talks about this in the sense of a, a joke. Okay, um, so we can hear a joke, and we can see the logic that it's funny, or we can laugh, right? <laughs> so we're not talking about the child getting thing on an intellectual uh, in, in their heads. We're talking and thinking, yeah, and, and thinking, yeah, that's true. You know, we think we're thinking them getting it in the hearts, them feeling it, feeling the love um, mm-hmm. for themselves. So. As, as parents, we've got to come up with as many different ways as we can to get our child to feel that love rather than think love. Right. Does that, and, does that make any sense? Does that make any sense, son? Oh, it absolutely does. Is You can say things over and over again, but if the child's not feeling it, then, yeah, it's not really going to make a difference. But there are certainly things that we as adoption professionals and adoptive parents can do to kind of help them get that message and get that message from the beginning. Um, and I think you, you kind of mentioned that earlier that we've seen a lot of changes yeah. in adoption. And I think, you know, the biggest change that we have seen as an agency in the last 35 years is the change from closed confidential adoptions to open adoptions. Um, having that, that connection with birth parents having some communication, pictures, letters, something ongoing between the adoptee and their birth parents can make a huge difference in that child's ability to to hear that message and believe that message because they have it coming from multiple sources, right? You know, you're hearing it from your adoptive parents, but you're also still getting that message from your biological parents that I loved you, I still love you, and I had to make this choice for you because it was what was best for you. Um, and hearing that message from them can make a huge difference. Now, it's 
openness and adoption is wonderful when it is done well and when it's appropriate for the child. But like I said, sometimes we work with um, women who are struggling with addiction or mental health issues. And sometimes in those cases, it's not in the child's best interest to have that ongoing communication with a birth parent because we do want the child's needs to, to be protected and come first. And if the biological parent is going to you know, bring some instability into the relationship or chaos into the relationship, then there are times when an open relationship may not be the best thing for the child. But in those cases, you can still have openness and honesty from your adoptive family. You know, keep it age appropriate, of course, for the child, but don't hide those things from them because when they learn it as they get older, it could be shocking if you've been hiding it all along. So be open and honest as adoptive parents with your children about their biological parents um, so that they do understand why maybe they can't have an open relationship with them. Yeah. So I guess the the why question comes to my mind. So why why would we do that? Um, And the first thing, pops into my head is it's a continuing it's a continuation of mm-hmm. the relationship you know the um inappropriate as you say in the appropriate circumstances because the the birth mother is not cut off mm-hmm. from the child after the adoption the relationship continues mm-hmm. to in a different obviously in a different form because the the birth mother isn't raising the child completely different form but there is some sort of relationship there is some sort of dialogue there is some sort of communication um and so that idea that that this was a rejection never comes into the child's mind i guess is that what we're talking about here I think so. Yeah. And it it may still come into the child's mind. Um, You know, there, we can't guarantee that it it would never be a thought that they have. They may still struggle with ideas of rejection or couldn't you have made it work? But I think if you're, if you're trying to have that, that openness and adoption to kind of continue the relationship, you're, you're stacking the cards in your favor. You know, you're, you're trying to do all that you can to make sure every member of the adoption triad is, is set up to succeed. And we have noticed that, you know, in the shift from confidential adoptions to open adoptions, that it, it does tend to be better for everyone involved. You've got that, that uh, struggling with identity issues for the adoptee, you know, that's taken away if they know their background, if they know their history and where they came from. But it's also been really beneficial for birth mothers because that relationship with their child isn't completely cut off. And so it helps them in the grief process going forward. Um, And, you know, it's been beneficial for adoptive parents because adoptees, as they get older, they have a lot of questions for their parents about where they came from, what their birth parent was like. And if there's an ongoing relationship, then adoptive parents are are more equipped to answer those questions for their children. Yeah. Do um, do some adoptive parents struggle with the idea of of openness? Yes, they do. Um, You know, some of our adoptive parents 
go into it and, and it works beautifully. And then other ones, I would say you, you can sometimes see it almost a feeling of insecurity there um, or feeling threatened by the relationship that their child might have with their birth parents. And so that's part of our job as an agency to prepare them for those types of things and assure them that there is absolutely no reason for them to feel threatened, that they are the child's parents, their actual parents, and that um, you know a child can never have too much love and that it's, it's great to share that, that child with, with the birth parents, that their love can come from adoptive parents as well as, as biological parents. And just to remind them that the best thing for them to do as adoptive parents to help their child is to remain open, remain positive about the relationships and allow their child that freedom to explore the relationship with a birth parent um, and not make them feel bad about it and not make them feel guilty about it. Because then if, if the adoptee feels like they can't be open and honest with their adoptive parents, you know, they might shut that part off from them. Or if they're feeling guilty about having a relationship with their birth parent, maybe they won't allow themselves to really explore that relationship with their birth parent because they don't want to hurt their adoptive parents' feelings. Um, so it's important to kind of prepare them, prepare adoptive parents for all those different aspects of what could happen and encourage them to just stay as open as possible with, with the birth parents. So, I mean, this is a very leading question. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking it's, it's, it's almost, it seems to me like almost about putting the child's needs first mm -hmm. beyond your own it's like ego needs so right. if so it but in the long term if you're looking at this from a long-term perspective then you're sowing seeds going the openness route um you're sowing the seeds for a a, 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 a healthier child growing up and less trouble further down the line. So this is about taking a very child-centered long-term approach. I mean, yeah. you know, like me and my me and my missus haven't got any kids. So I'm kind of I, I I'm 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 hesitating to go into what I would call kind of parent coaching. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, um well a parent coaching view of the conversation but that seems to be what you're saying to me. Is that right? Yeah, I think most people would agree that that's kind of the purpose of, of parenting is that you're willing to always put your child's needs above your own, no matter what that might look like. And it's, it's a wonderful thing when we see that happen with adoptive parents and adoptees that they are able to put their child's needs first because it means that the adoption was successful. You know, the adoption was successful in the sense that they attached to that child and bonded with that child and vice versa. That child has bonded with them and feels safe and loved and protected in that home, but still feels secure enough to go out and explore another relationship with a birth parent, if that's what's in the child's best interest. Like I mentioned earlier, if the adoptive parents are aware of the situation with a birth mother or even a birth father where it would not be in the child's best interest to go and explore that relationship. 
then we would trust that the adoptive parents would know what's in their child's best interest and know not to, to push for them to explore that relationship or just make sure that there are some safe and healthy boundaries. Yeah, yeah. So what this is obviously a key part of the preparation um, that you do with adoptive parents. What are some, uh, some of the other parts um, of, of this for you? Leslie, that the, the kind of the essential things that you're trying to. So you're obviously at the cutting edge of this now. We might have some adoptive parents a couple of years down the line who are uh, asking some, um, uh, you know, struggling with some issues. What What is it that you would like to, to, to share most with from what you've learned recently that you would like to share most with adoptive parents listening? Um, I think it's just knowing that there are a lot of resources out there to help prepare adoptive parents on the forefront before they go into an adoption. Um, you know, I can say from my personal experience, what I thought adoption looked like from the outside looking in. And then now that I work here and I'm able to see it um, more closely, more personally, and on both sides of the biological parents and the adoptive parents, I would advise all adoptive parents to, to do that research and to talk to other adoptive parents or even talk to birth parents before they ever make the jump into it, adoption themselves to make sure that they are fully aware of what the adoption process looks like, of, of all the different experiences they might have with an adopted child. Um, the fact that we can do all the things that we've talked about in, in this podcast, Simon, of you know, preparing them for an open adoption and having that ongoing relationship. And it may still not be enough. The child may still struggle with, with feelings of rejection. And, and it would be very hard not to take that personally. But if they could be prepared on the forefront, then before the adoption ever takes place, then again, we're kind of setting them up for success, that they'll go in knowing exactly the risks that they're taking and with the education and the training on how to best help their child go through those different stages of life and stages of development and be most prepared for when the child might might have some questions or might be experiencing some insecurities because there are different points in our life like um, you know your teenage years where it just may be a more difficult time for that child or I think you said you didn't really struggle until you were an adult you know, and yeah. so if we can prepare adoptive parents for that, that there are a lot of different scenarios out there that if they could just be prepared with the counseling and the education, and the training beforehand, we can try to prevent some of these um, difficulties and these challenges that might come later on. I, I think the, the key point for me from what you just said was, you know, for those adoptive parents are listening that who who may be listening for some fresh insight or fresh way of handling things is well first off good on you for listening because you know we need to explore new new solutions to old problems you know that's the whole thing you know um and we need to see things differently for ourselves so um that's what in, in, in my um my opinion that's what drives drives change especially what drives change in, in, in uh, kids or from that, from that to adults when we see something different. So Leslie's talked about this, right? So she said she her view of adoption was this. 
she started working adoption, a view of adoption is now that. So she's got a she's got a better view of what's actually going on. Um, what I want to share from what Leslie just said is about taking stuff personally. We all take stuff way, way too personally. So um, we think it's on us. We think we're 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 struggling. You know, we're going down. Perhaps we're going down a. Uh, our own little rabbit hole of insecurity and darkness and we're struggling with stuff that's going on within our family we take stuff personally what i'm what we're trying to get to a point to, to, to today on this uh, on this conversation is that it, it isn't personal it's it's due to something that's happened you know the, the kids something that's happened in the past it may not even just be down to the kids mood you know one of the fundamental things that, that I bits of clarity I got to um, it, 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 regarding adoption is that right. I'm 54 years old. I was adopted 54 years ago. My mood has been up and down a lot in those 54 years. So my experience has changed. My my experience has changed. So I've got a changing experience and a fixed event. Something that happened 54 years ago that's fixed event cannot be the cause of my mood or how I'm behaving. That That's like a moving feast. So a moving feast can't be due to something, solely due to something that's happened in the past. All our moods go up and down all the time. And I think the thing I see a lot in adoptive parents when I'm talking to them is, one, they go down a rabbit hole where they're trying to, I, I, they're trying to um, pin the tail on the wrong donkey. Well, they're trying to pin the tail on the donkey, right? So they've got this thing, is this an adoption issue? Or is this a kid issue, right? And uh, and then it's a, it's a rabbit hole. And answering the question isn't really going to get them anywhere. Anyway, they've just got to deal with the 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 uh, the, the, uh, the matter in hand as as best they as best they can. And this we we do seem to take stuff too personally. Actually, it's to do it's to do with what's going on for the child in the moment right now it might be nothing to do with adoption it might be just something else that's going on for them at school and social media it's not necessarily an adoption issue because if we if we see everything as an adoption issue we're going to be keep on pinning this tail on the the the, the, the donkey and we're going to think well we can't change we can't change the past and we're going to get really stuck we're going to get stuck in that overthinking um yeah i think you're exactly right simon that you know the adoption itself is not an adoptee's entire identity right they still have a personality of their own they still have interests of their own different challenges maybe health-wise or in school that not everything can be pinned to the adoption itself that they are more than that you know that's just one part of who they who they are and I think the best thing 
best advice that we could give adoptive parents is just be willing to talk to their children about what's going on in their lives and being open to hearing from them about how much they want to talk about their adoption and how much they want to talk about openness with their biological parents and kind of letting the child be the the one driving that shit you know let them tell you how much how much they're willing to handle because sometimes they might not want to talk about it so don't force it on them but don't don't cut them off from having um, conversations about it and so I think it's a simple thing right have conversations with your kids but it's not an easy thing because we're all human beings and we're all emotional and so it can be difficult to to continue having those conversations but I think that's the best thing that adoptive parents can do is just have an open dialogue with your children an ongoing open dialogue yeah so we need to be if we want our kids to be secure then they we need to be secure we need to be the change that we want to see in in the world and uh, uh, and be the change that's a gandhi thing but we want to be the, we want to we want to be how we want our children to to be so it, it, it may be a little bit about um daring to be a bit more vulnerable it may be opening up it may be taking a little bit of a risk going a little bit further uh, and being okay with that because that's what we want our our uh, kids to be don't we mm -hmm. yeah so is there anything else that you'd like to share with adoptive parents that are, are listening in terms of stuff that you've learned that would be useful to them um, I think the only other thing is just to remember that each family is unique and that there are resources out there for, you know, everybody at this point on online and, you know, being able to share things globally. And so whatever your family is dealing with, if it is pertaining to a particular aspect of your adoption, that there's information out there on, on how to handle it or how to talk to your child at, um, you know, guidance on age appropriate conversation starters or even children's books out there that would help you find something for your exact situation that you don't have to be alone in it even if you know that your situation is unique yeah yeah it's interesting about you mentioned the books because i was actually told i was adopted with the with the help of a storybook when just before i was two so yeah. these um uh, these prompts and these uh, um, tools can be can be really useful. Funny enough, I was adopt I was interviewing an adoptee a couple of months back, and he'd heard one of my podcasts where I mentioned this book, and um, uh, so he said, w "Was it this book, Simon?" And he held the book up, and it was the same book, you know that. Wow, um, that, <laughs> and I was amazing. like, "Wow," you know, like a shiver down my spine because I. I don't know where my copy of that book is. I mean, it was always in my bookshelf as a as a kid. Um, I didn't. I don't I kind of remember bits and pieces of it. You know, it wasn't something that I looked at every day. I thought, ah, you know. Uh, but yeah, when he got that, so yeah, these tools um, are, are are really are really important. If I can remember it, fifty four years or fifty two years on, it must have been really it must have been really important. So. 
when you're talking to other adoptive parents or when you're talking to um agencies or any you know like go back to, if you're struggling go go to the agency talk to them and ask them for suggestions on on the on the tools that can help your child and i guess for me the 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 the, the main thing another thing that i see really is that if you're listening to the podcast you're adopted parent listening to the podcast you're in the right place because you're curious and, and you're learning stuff um that's gonna help you and it is about you, you know, you've got to, you, you've kind of, you've got to put yourself first to put your child first. So the more secure you are um, as a human being, um, then the more secure they are. And it start. this is a, it's kind of sometimes tricky because, all parents, this isn't just adoptive parents. I've, I've worked with a lot of non-adoptive parents, bio parents, what you call them, birth parents. And they think it's about the kids as well, when more often than not, it's, it's about, about them. So I remember a, 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 I was doing some work in, a, in an elementary school and, and a a little girl, a ten-year-old girl, was telling me that her mum had been in a, a really bad mood, and that uh, and that bad mood had rubbed off on her, and then she she'd been nasty to one of her school friends, um, so she kind of taken out her nastiness on, 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 and then she'd remembered. I, I was doing some kind of like social emotional learning stuff with kids kids at, at that stage, and um, and then she'd remembered something that she'd learned from me. Um, and she'd had that insight, the clear thing, right? She had that insight, uh, and and she she then um, she apologised to a, a friend. She broke down into tears actually, and and apologised to her friend. But if we track that back, it was the fact that the mum wasn't regulating. Is that the word? I don't know. The mum wasn't able to regulate her mood, and that and that mood had rubbed off on her uh, her. Her, her, her child you know we we have to be who we want our kids to be mm -hmm. so it starts we've got to put them first as in in our priorities but sometimes that's actually i don't know how this quite kind of works i never this is this is a new kind of a new kind of thing that i'm exploring it starts with you and it, 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 you know, it, so if it, if I talk about myself, you know, it starts with my, my relationship with my missus starts with how I am, not how she is, because I can't affect her, I can affect me. So mm -hmm. the more conscious I become, hopefully the better I am, um, a, a, a husband, and, and it's exactly the same for, for, for parents too. So thank you very much uh, for, for coming on, Leslie, and sharing your, um, yeah, your insights. That's been uh, that's been great, and um, yeah, thank I hope you you've so enjoyed it too. Me. I'm sorry. I hope you've enjoyed it too. Oh yes, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and I hope you know it, it helps somebody out there who's listening. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot for thanks a lot for coming on, on Leslie, and thanks for listening, listeners, and uh, we'll see you all again soon. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.